Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. If Kyle Shanahan can turn Brock Purdy into an overnight sensation, I would not put it past him to make Josh Johnson turn him into something with that 49ers offense. Garrett Wilson right now is my offensive rookie of the year uh, for the New York Jets. And look, he hit a record-breaking day and a loss to the Bills where he passed Keyshawn Johnson for the most receiving yards for a rookie in Jets history. That's a that's a award. That's a, a, a mark that has now been awarded to him for the first time. They've set that mark. 96 was when Keyshawn did that. It's been a while. Um, and Brock Purdy's making the list this week because he's on a roll. And with that momentum closing out the season based on the 49ers and how they're playing and how they're leading the division, it's hard for me not to put him on there and think that he can actually win it, given the fact that quarterbacks get the nod. And of all of the quarterbacks this year, if you told me, as you as we enter four weeks to play, which quarterback is most likely to make a list of the top three options for offensive rookie of the year? Uh, Purdy's probably the last quarterback you even think of. I know he was irrelevant, Mr. Irrelevant, but Chad, I mean, how many, uh, I'm thinking of 10, probably 10 others that you could put on there outside of Purdy, just based on the entire draft, plus guys who made rosters across the league or practice squads that get called up or sit back down. I mean, there's no way you're putting money on this. And it's, it's a great, great story based on how he's playing because he's comfortable. He's totally, the, the, the way he's decisive and, the, the poise that he has shown through two games where he is spinning the football, he's not turning the football over, and they're leaning on a defense that has allowed, what, 60-something points over the last six games combined during this win streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're relevant, and they're relevant with Brock Purdy. They're not winning in spite of the third-string quarterback. That's what makes this so interesting to follow as he heads to Thursday Night Football. Yeah, the story could only get better. I mean, Desmond Ritter's now going to get a chance. Uh, what does he look like in a month, in four games yeah. to end the season? Um, I don't think he's going to have any chance at an award like this, but uh, we're going to now get to see. That's why I was so bummed when Kenny Pickett got slammed to the turf the way yeah. he did with a concussion, yeah. because he was just starting to come alive and show some signs of being the franchise guy for the Steelers, and now we're, we're robbed of that the remainder of the season. And uh, I, I still have Hurts as the MVP, but Chad, I included uh, your favorite play of the NFL week, the improv no-look pass from, from Patrick Mahomes. Incredible. And it's he's number two on the list this week, but again, it's nothing that he's doing wrong. It's more about what Jalen Hurts is doing right and the leadership he's shown. Where, yeah, if you look at the numbers, MVP's not decided over a, a couple of year span. It's decided this year. But last year plays into how we view Jalen Hurts now, which is in 2021, this was the top rushing offense led by Hurts. And now it's the top top offense, balanced offense led by Hurts. That's the main difference here.
Was it Jarek McKinnon that caught the, the no look yeah. pass from from uh, Mahomes? Uh, just that it was, was so, it was awesome. We talk about you know the Heisman moments. That was definitely an MVP like moment for Mahomes. But uh, there's no stopping Jalen Hurts in my mind right now. I mean, the, the, uh, with that momentum, if he continues on this path, he's your MVP. And are we starting to see a drop off with Tua Tagovailoa? And I ask because he had a season low five point one yards per attempt against the Chargers. Justin Herbert out. This was more him. last year to a tongue of Iloa with that yeah. low yards per completion. It, yeah. Stat. You know, uh, Tyreek Hill still gets his, right? He's still making big plays. Speaking uh, of great plays, how about the fumble backwards to Tyreek Hill where he ran ball, around in for the touchdown? Some, sometimes the ball just finds certain players. The ball finds Tyreek Hill every single week. It's amazing. And he, he he's second on the offensive player of the year behind, behind Justin Jefferson, who... Uh, is the league's top wideout, dominant again. He set a franchise record, 223 receiving yards in a single game. Uh, keep in mind who who has played wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, Chris Carter, uh, Randy Moss, Steve Jordan. Uh, those, those names come to mind. And now you've got Justin Jefferson, who has 1,500 receiving yards this season. He can surpass last year's 1,600 yards mark this week against the Colts, and he will. I mean, he, he shows up each and every week. He's, he's fantastic, and uh, it, it's a neck-and-neck neck race, or it was. I think Jefferson's running away with it right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you. His, his numbers have been Unless. outstanding. And he's one of those rare guys that um, he elevates Cousins, not the other way around. Yeah. There are plenty of guys you could point to across yeah. the league and say, okay, great quarterback. Is that more quarterback or the receiver? There's no doubt about it to me. It's Justin Jefferson. The only way he's not that not Kirk Cousins it. is bad, but it is Justin Jefferson elevating the quarterback and not the other way around. If they decide to give the award to a quarterback, which they could. I mean, they, they could give Offensive Player of the Year to Mahomes, or they could give it to Hurts. I, mean, I don't know how the voters are going to go here. I, I would give it to Justin Jefferson, and the MVP award is traditionally is turned into quarterback. So to me, they've got to battle it out for MVP. Although we saw in 2018, Mahomes win both. It's to me, it's Jefferson and it's Hurts. I think you nailed it with that one. Uh, Cole Beasley back with the Bills. Josh Allen flexing. Um, Cole Beasley. It, it's crazy to think that he retired this year. I just thought that he knew he wasn't going to play or wasn't well, getting the looks he wanted. Went to Tampa, right? And then retired. Went to Tampa had four catches over two games, I think, and then retired because he wasn't being used the way that he wanted. This makes a lot of sense that they need a little bit more production from the slot position. Beasley and Allen have a trust factor with each other. You could quickly pick up what's going on, yeah. really, with no uh, no time to acclimate to everything. I, I think this is a, a no-brainer for Buffalo, for Allen, for Cole Beasley also. And apparently the, the Cowboys are still interested in Odo Beckham Jr. despite signing T.Y. Hilton. I, I guess they're keeping that door open for if and when he can pass their physical uh, this is also because I think a lot of the players want him in that locker room, right? You're trying to appease and make sure you get. Uh, What's the downside to keeping the door open? Uh, I, I mean, I understand exactly what they're doing. I would not rule that out at all. If the guy can yeah. get healthy, then yes, you add him. Yeah, but the. I mean, it is it is Super Bowl win or bust for Buffalo. That is what this team is built to do, and that is the that is the measure of success for this team is to get that franchise in that city over the Super Bowl hump and win one. So you're doing everything you can. You're they right. got Von Miller this past offseason. They're bringing back an oldie but goodie and Cole Beasley. 
If you can go add Odell Beckham Jr. if he gets well, healthy, then yes. It do sounds it. like too he has way overvalued himself in this free agent tour that he took, and so none of these teams are jumping out there aside from just the re- the rehab here uh, and the recovery from the ACL. Um, what's he going to be willing to sign for if and when you need him? But can he drive the price up based on the need of a, a big time injury going into the playoffs? Coming up, Clay Travis joins the show. Looking forward to our weekly conversation with the president of OutKick. Clay joins us next. We'll get his thoughts on Mike Leach and uh, the, the great stories that he has behind the scenes with the late Mississippi State head coach. That's next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Oh, kick 360 rolls on. Clay Travis will be with us momentarily. Chad, um, curious. Miami's headed to Buffalo this week. Cold. Potential uh, see, snow. Oh. Potential snow. Is it definite? Potential. It's on Saturday, right? Their game? Saturday night. The lake effect snow they're calling for. So it's going to be a move to Detroit? Possibly because oh, no. it's happening Friday and Saturday. Oh. And the Miami's scheduled to fly in on Friday. So either they fly in tomorrow yeah. ahead of it, or this game gets moved. I, you know what I'm rooting for? Snow. Pandemonium. Yes. I want, I want a uh, snowy pandemonium type game. Miami's about to go down the drain then, aren't they? Just based on the conditions? They can't run the football. Tua hasn't played well recently. Buffalo, they're back. They're currently leading the AFC. This is a... They just uh, Miami coming off the loss to the Chargers. Now they're headed back on the road to Buffalo, a team that they've already won against. Yes, but uh, Mike McDaniel's walking around practice today wearing a shirt that says "I wish it were colder." <laughs> um, which is funny. But I I don't know if they're built that way. You know that built to go on the road and win in the in lake effect snow. Maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe the ball finds Tyreek Hill. Maybe the Miami defense shows up and we see a, a Josh Allen version that turns the football over. But this is uh, this spells bad news, I believe, for, for the Dolphins on the road and, and what could be a, a couple of losses that we look back on as they enter the playoffs against a, 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 team, that, a team that's not peaking at the right time, a, a team that has peaked too soon. Don't know that yet. Jury's still out with four games to play, but it kind of feels like we're headed that direction. Also look at Buffalo's roster makeup and think, if this game happens in the playoffs, yeah. when they get the number one seed and they're hosting a game, yep. what if they catch the wrong team in that game that's more built for bad weather than they are? I, I, I don't which know. Would be, I which don't, would be Baltimore, Tennessee? I guess because even with the lack of a great running back, yeah. you know, the traditional running game for Buffalo, you still got Josh Allen, who's yeah. one of, if not the best running quarterbacks in the league. That's built for that rugged type style. 
that can get yardage even in bad weather. You know who else could do it is Cincinnati. Can Mixon. run it. Yes, they can yeah. do everything. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. You're right. Uh, recent- but I just think, you know, everybody thinks, oh, Buffalo's a... Look, when you get into weather like that, no one's accustomed to it. Right. I mean, you could step outside of your house living in Buffalo and be more accustomed to the cold weather. But when you get in awful weather like that in snow games... The assumption is, well, it's Buffalo. They're used to this. They're going to be better than the opposition. That's not necessarily the case based on roster from year to year. So what if you just happen to have in your most important game, what if the AFC championship game is played with lake effect snow and they get the wrong matchup in that game? The automatic assumption is always that Buffalo is going to be favored that, that, that because of that reason. Well, that's, that not, be, that's not always the case. They are, uh, they are beginning to lean more on the rushing attack. You know, it's a tandem with what we're seeing. But it's not, to your, you're right, it's not near, nearly the, uh, the ground and pound that some of the other teams are built for, uh, or in, in some cases, uh, streaky with. Um, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 as we wait on hey, Clay. We have let's a World some, Cup final. Yeah, let's hit some updates. Um, France wins today over Morocco. So the final is set. This will be on Sunday. It will be France-Argentina for the World Cup. Um, Two to nothing today. France won against Morocco. Will you be tuned in? By the way, this was the first ever African nation to make it to a semifinal, which kind of shocked me when I saw that with Morocco. Really? First ever to will make you, it as far as semifinal. Will you be tuned in? I will not. No, I will not. I will say. That's, I'm very disappointed that I'm not in – more into it than I what saw I our buddy Keith Bullock tweet about this I love the French uniforms that they wore against England with the red socks yes the socks pulled all the way up obviously with the navy blue top and the white I, I love it it kind of matches their flag all, all the way down looks good uh, Clay's about to join us I believe so as soon as we get confirmation oh he's not about to join us I was reading the text um, Chad as we hit some of the he uh, is about to join us Matty's saying yeah oh okay yeah Okay, hopefully. Uh, Grant Wall, his wife, said at the autopsy revealed he died from uh, an aneurysm. And, uh, aortic, aortic aneurysm. Aneurysm. Were there any further details about, you know, that, are they feeling like it was an issue that he arrived there with or was it, that it uh, escalated once he was there? Yeah, it, it was. It was uh, and, and look, I'm I, obviously nothing's good about this story. No. I am happy that there's no foul play involved. Yes. Um, so that's a bit of a relief. But all reports I saw, the New York Times originally had the story, and it said this is a condition that could have been going on for years that he didn't know much about. Talked about bronchitis, kind of pneumonia-like symptoms before this happened. So terribly sad story, but I guess the good part of it is it rules out any possible foul play being as Grant Wall was speaking out against the country he was in. Right. Covering the World Cup. Chad, while we're, uh, I should have brought this up. We were talking about World Cup. Um, Gio Reyna and the controversy there with his effort and uh, just the, the mentality. More news has come out on that. Uh, but man, it, a, a bizarre storyline over the weekend that uh, surfaced whenever the, the team was finished, concluded. Yeah, I don't want him on the, the U.S. men's national team again. I agree. Uh, honestly. And I, I don't know if they're good enough to, to do that. If you're the American team, because he is a great talent. He plays in Bundesliga in Germany for one of the top clubs there. Um, he's 20 years old, so the future is bright. But essentially, you got a story of a young guy that was not having the role that he expected or wanted in the World Cup, 
and decided to dog it. They played in a, an exhibition match when they got over there. He's jogging around. His training was always the, half-assed the entire but time. But how do you do that once you're there? Burhalter, you know? the manager of the of the men's national team, spoke after the tur- after they were eliminated from the tournament at some summit in New York City that was supposed to be off the record. And then someone reported off the record what he said at the summit. And he, without naming names, yeah. he talked about, hey, over in the World Cup, we had this situation with a player who wasn't committed and wasn't giving their all, and people called him out but, on it. And then eventually, he said, I want to apologize. And I told the player, it's not good enough just to stand up and say you're sorry. Right. You need to fully explain everything you've done and why you're sorry. And, and he said to his team's credit, the team stood up and didn't say, hey, it's okay, Gio. They said, well, then show us. With your effort. Yeah, then this is what we've seen also. You better show it with your effort. How does that forward. guy make that roster? How does it that started, guy make the roster? Well, he made the roster, and then it started after he made the roster. So, but Berhalter said... That can't be we, the first time he's dogged it. Well, he said we considered, we had the tough decision of, do we send this guy home Right from the tournament? That's how bad it was and how obvious it was when he wasn't getting what he wanted. Now, his manager... Uh, for I think it's Dortmund, uh, which is the the Bundesliga team. He said that this is, uh, the word he used was incomprehensible, that he would lack effort for his national team in the tournament, and that it's completely against character from what they've seen. But he's taking up for his player who's returning. Taking up for his player, but also saying a way that it's, it's incomprehensible to us that he would do this because of what we know about him. It's also incomprehensible that one would dog it when being a part of your national team in the World Cup. That's something you just never do. No. And I, I, I just don't think you make it to that level and you're dogging it for the first time. He's I, 20 years old. Um, yeah, it's a terrible look for him. I, I Again, I, to me, the guy, the guy should be blackballed from the team. Yeah. And uh, send him home. Yeah, there are other guys who would love to have been in that spot. That got cut late on, on who's going over and to do that because you're not playing as much as you want. There was also an incident where in the, uh, I think the game against, the match against Wales, they subbed someone else in, not him. Right. And when he knew he wasn't going in, he took his shin guards off and threw them <laughs> on the sideline. And it was on, you know, they caught it on camera where he was doing this because he wasn't entering the game. Uh, a couple of injury updates. Like It's one thing to do that for your club, right? Where you're well, professionally doing that. When you're doing it for That's your nation in yeah. the World Cup, look at everyone who represents their country that plays in all these different clubs. Right. You don't do that. You just don't. Uh, Kenneth Walker is uh, scheduled to play for Thursday Night Football. The Cardinals have placed um, Rondell Moore on IR, also Kyler Murray. Uh, so the Cardinals are headed straight for a top five pick, uh, maybe with a new head coach. No, no. Uh, he's... We, we do know Kingsbury. I would guess they're going to have a new head coach. Big extension this offseason. Um, Saquon Barkley, questionable last week. He is off the injury report. He's scheduled to start for the Giants. Cowboys, they've placed T- uh, Terrence Steele, their starting offensive tackle, on injured reserve. So he's done for the season. Um, and Jonathan Hankins with a, a pectoral issue on IR. He could return for the Cowboys later. Also, uh, Next year, the NFL is scheduled to play in Mexico. Mexico, they're doing some renovations for the World Cup. So they are now going to play two games in Germany. At least that's the expectation, the league. So they're just going to add another game in Germany. It was so successful. 
I'm if we had a hierarchy of international countries outside the United States where the NFL wants to be and how they would rank them in value, I'd love to see that list. I think Germany would outrate Mexico. But maybe I'm wrong because there were a lot of people uh, after that Mexican yeah, market. Yeah, there were a ton of teams. When they were vying uh, for marketing there rights. There were a ton there. of teams that own rights to, to advertise and push marketing efforts for their clubs. I think it's like eight, nine, maybe ten NFL teams. And what's the next country? Uh, I, I saw something about France, maybe. Maybe uh, maybe Paris. A yeah. game in Paris. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just what? Like, the, the NFL employs so many marketing experts. What does that list look like where they want to go next and what countries they want to get into? Is Here's an example. Is somewhere in the Asian market a possibility at some yes, point? I'm sure they want what, to What there. would make sense there? I, I don't know because I don't know what the interest level would be in some. I would think China's a no-go. Doesn't stop the NBA, but I would think China's a no-go for the NFL. Or, yeah. But where do you go next if you're football? They, the expansion across Europe, though, is what they want to do, I, I believe, because of the, the division that they want to build with yeah. four teams in the, in the next expansion. I think that's coming sooner rather than later. Like I think John McClain, when we asked him, I was well, surprised where he's thinking it's not going to happen well, anytime soon at all. Here's why I think. I think Roger Goodell wants to go out starting that. As part of his legacy leaving, he will have added expansion for the National Football League globally. Like, they will have teams, plural, in Europe. And I, but they're going to have to do that for travel purposes because um, it makes things easier uh, to, to go back and forth. I just, uh, to me, it, with, with the emphasis he's putting on that, to me, that's the lasting impression he wants to make as he steps back with his millions upon. I mean, the NFL's, NFL owners are going to make Roger Goodell a billionaire before it's all said and done. It is definitely a mic drop type moment for a league if Roger Goodell were to say, hey, um, I did all of this and raised everyone's income by X yep. amount. And also, before I left, I was able to add four clubs to Europe and expand our marketing abilities tenfold over the course of my tenure as NFL commissioner. Boom, mic drop. I'll step away into retirement. Clay unable to connect with us, I believe, with some some audio issues or something. So he's He's stepped aside, probably blew back in his, uh, his big meetings. Chad, we were going to discuss um, Mike Leach, and we might as well hear with some of the better stories we've heard. Clay's got uh, big meetings Over going? the last 24 hours. <laughs> I yeah, didn't I know mean, that. Uh, yeah, he's got meetings today and tomorrow, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, he was trying to join us and couldn't, yeah. apparently. Um, best story you've heard on Leach. Is it the Lincoln-Riley version? The Lincoln Riley one's good. I mean, there's just so many little ones that I've seen people retweet. I saw one this morning that really jumped out to me where, um, oh, there was also a great one. I need to retweet it right now. But it was in a profile. I don't, it was not 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes did a profile on him in 2009 when he was at Texas Tech. This was a profile done on him, I believe, with ESPN when he was at Washington State. And he was asked... Uh, what would you tell someone that's reading your eulogy or writing your eulogy huh. about you? And his response was classic Leach. He said, I don't care. That's not my job. What do I care? I'm dead. That's, that's on the person who writes my eulogy. <laughs> Just very matter of fact, like, I don't care what they write. I'm dead. What, what in the world do I care about it? Um, there's another story about him just with someone posted, this is Mike Leach with my eight-year-old son. 
and it's Mike Leach holding up this little model car that the kid made. He said he spent 30 minutes talking to my son, and he was his, my son was telling him about the model cars that he makes. He tried to buy one of the cars, saying he's so impressed with his work and craftsmanship. My son gave him one anyway, and they took this photo together as they were having this conversation. And he said, I'm going to frame this now for Christmas awesome. uh, with the passing of Mike Leach. But a lot of stories about, you know, you, you hear about the eccentric Leach the guy who was so intellectually curious and would talk about everything and knew something on everything, you get to hear a lot more about the human side of them more and more. Here's a story from Daniel Black, who's a former athlete at Mississippi State, recently graduated, and we mentioned this yesterday, but this is my favorite. I was invited up to a loft at uh, the baseball stadium in April. Mike Leach was there, wanted to speak to him, get a quick picture right before he left, or at least when I expected him to leave. Shook his hand, got the picture, and that was that. Leach, however, stuck around for hours. He spoke to everyone in the room. He took pictures, signed autographs, suggested songs to play. Uh, he was in no hurry, and uh, leaving didn't seem like an option for him in his mind. He ate pizza. He drank whiskey waters. I watched him stick his face directly underneath the sink faucet and drink straight from the tap. After an hour, I went up to him without saying anything. He started a conversation. We talked for 15 minutes. He brought up his time playing rugby at BYU, coaching against Texas and Texas A&M, his favorite music. And uh, he was having these kinds of conversations about whatever topic you wanted to bring up with every person in the room. And there were about 30 or 40 others in the room. I was there for over two hours past midnight. Leach was still there expressing and sharing his personality with a group of mostly strangers. Most coaches I've met are politicians. They say what they need to say and leave. Leach is the exception. That night was one of the final great memories I had as a student at State before I graduated. And it will be a lasting memory for me as I continue to be a state fan. I'm extremely grateful for that interaction, especially now. Rest well, coach. I love that. It's, it's terrific. The whiskey waters, the faucet. And I mean, that, to me, that no matter what topic you wanted to bring up, that was, that was Lee. Hun, don't you agree that if anyone has any sights on a documentary on Mike Leach, now is the time to put that into production on his life? Yes, if there is any, and I'm not, you know, there's the obvious ones out there, but if any streaming service, any network out there wanted to put together, and I'm not talking about just a movie, you could turn Mike Leach's life into a docu-series. Well, this could be eight parts, ten parts. Now is the time to, to do that and start to produce it. This, I mean, ESPN. Because remember when Joe Paterno died, everything right away. You had an HBO movie. You, yeah. had all, you had a documentary also. All these things went into action. I, uh, I mean, you could, I could easily see a great, a great piece for SEC Network on just the storytelling of everyone behind the scenes, their, their greatest story with Mike Leach. You know, that, that's a great SEC Network feature. The, the series you're talking about is far more uh, in-depth and episodic. And this is a life where you could absolutely do that. There's also... There's so many rip from the headlines shows that are out there. I mean, you could look at any any number. The dropout with Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah. There's so many things. Dahmer is another Dom, one that, yep. that's out. Um, here's another example I saw today. They're making a series, a dramatic written series about Victor Boot. They're reviving the God of War, and they're writing a series for some streamer about Victor Boot. There's just infinite possibilities with Mike Leach with this uh how cool of of all years they're in a, a bowl game playing at raymond james stadium that literally has a pirate ship in the end zone yeah it would have been a lot cooler if he had finally got a chance to play and uh to coach 
sure. somewhere with a pirate ship also, but that is that is fitting. And we talked about it earlier, but promoting Zach Arnett, and it's it's out there every everywhere now with reports, naming him the permanent full-time coach, that's the right move. That Elevating him from defensive coordinator to coach. The move. That's what you got to do right now, and Mississippi State is still in the process of hiring an AD. And it, what you know what it does is it keeps your – again – it, this is just what you it's an unprecedented type of situation where it's it's nearly unmanageable but you have to manage as best you can right now with the portal and everything else involved chad the the, the number of commitments that made their way to mississippi when they heard of this news that that leach was was not doing well um to me that's that speaks to the class itself and the impact and by keeping Arnett and moving forward with him as coach that's the best possible solution for the future of what that embodied. Well, for the present and the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's it's the perfect move, and more power to him. I, I think if there's anybody that could keep it together, it's Arnett. Also, just imagine, and I hate to look at things through this lens, but just imagine if you hire someone new yeah. that in any way right. disrespected the legacy of Mike Leach with that team with a bunch of guys who signed up to play for him. And yeah. then the coaching staff that came in, well, even if the coach didn't mean to disrespect, but did something different or fired someone they didn't want fired and brought in, and they're going to bring in their own staff. If that happened, just how bad that would have been for the program. That's why this is the no-brainer move. Elevate the defensive coordinator, name him head coach, and Mississippi State did the right thing with this. It's a terrible situation at State with all of this. I mean, you would not wish this upon anyone. Coming up, we will uh, take a final look at the headlines, get you ready for the sports evening, take a peek at the Thursday night football matchup for tomorrow as well on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wrapping up what's been a great show, Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. How much college hoops are you watching right now, Jeff? I'm watching a lot more. I, I saw a lot of Alabama-Memphis last night and was impressed. Not impressed those Memphis uniforms. They were atrocious. How about Bama right now? But Bama, Bama looked good. Memphis has been very impressive. They beat yeah. Auburn over the weekend, and they end up losing by three, 91 to 91-88 last night to Bama. What do you think their impressive ceiling is when you teams. watch Memphis? Oh, I think Memphis has Elite Eight. Sweet 16 capabilities from and, what I see. And Alabama's ceiling is national champion. They're yeah. that good. Yeah. I mean, Br- Brandon Miller's the most impressive how, freshman okay. in the country right now. How many SEC teams are national championship quality? Three, four? I think Alabama, Arkansas for sure. Where's Tennessee in this list? I would say Kentucky, Tennessee, right around the same area. You know, three, four. Can't count out Auburn. Then Bruce Pearl, uh, Auburn did not has not played a tough schedule up until the Memphis game on Saturday, so they don't have many great good wins so far. Uh, Tennessee's been collecting some pretty good wins so far. They got a win, neutral court win over Kansas, Butler, USC, and Maryland already this year. 
their lone loss was a neutral court loss to Colorado. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a really good year in the SEC. The biggest surprise is Chris Jans at, at uh, Mississippi State. He's got them in the top 20 right now, and they're undefeated. They've been a pleasant surprise for the conference. But um, Texas was a team that could win a national title up until the Chris Beard yeah, I know. thing, and now I'm just waiting on the other shoe to drop with that. I, I think if those charges stick and he's even charged with that and there's, you know, he's, he's gone. I mean, yeah. I mean, based on when all of this is supposed to actually work itself out, I think February 10th or something like that was what I was reading. And he's not, nothing of this is getting resolved this season. Yeah. But if you're Texas, are you more likely to just place him on leave and leave him there? Or as you find out more information, are you going to just fire him? And then based on the results of the trial or uh, of the legal process, I should say, then you determine if you're firing him with or without cause. And then you just say, hey, whatever happens here, like we're not moving forward. Or I, I think when he's officially like it's going to go to court or trial or he's been charged with this, not arrested for something. Yeah. I think the moment that happens, because the language I read in his contract, which is in every contract, with a morals clause, you get arrested for a felony and charged with a felony, that's enough. You don't have to wait for it to go to trial. You don't have to be convicted of a felony, is my point. Charged with a felony could be enough for Texas to fire him with cause, which I, I would assume would happen. It's really, yeah, that's really, the language of that is so broad. For instance, the punt god, Matariza. Yeah. He could go back to Buffalo now. Well, no, because there, there's still civil charges against him. The criminal charges, it, it is official. They, they, didn't, they didn't charge. They are not moving forward with any criminal charges against Matt In fact, Matt it said there's basically evidence that would show that there's no way right. you could convict him of this. But if you're the, you could still, if you're going to point to, oh, you, you know, the bill's cut him because he's still facing a civil suit. But again, like, uh, for the uproar that there was in the preseason, considering here we are sitting in December and they're not moving forward with this. That's a, if, if you're Chris Beard, again, I, the details of this are alarming, but so was the details of what we read about Ariza. Um, going back to college basketball, Hutton, yes. two blue bloods that I've watched some of this year and have been completely unimpressed when I've watched Duke and Kentucky. Very unimpressive. Uh, now, John Shire has, I, by the rankings, the best recruiting class in the history of Duke in his first year as his freshman class, both teams are going to be really good for stretches and by the end of the year because they're so talented. Kentucky the same way. Another one of John Calipari's signature recruiting classes with all the freshmen that he has playing. But I've just not been impressed with them. The team that apparently has been the most impressive this year that was ranked number one uh, that I've yet to watch any of is UConn. UConn is Bama's lone loss. And they may be the best team in the country. I'm looking through Duke's schedule. They lost by five to Kansas back in November. Um, but they kind of started the way they finished, you know? Yeah. Like limping. They, they, they lose to Purdue, blown out. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. They beat Ohio State. Was that their best win? I think so. I guess. In, Indiana's got some decent wins. Too. I know they beat North Carolina at home. They're injured, though, right now. And stumbling a bit. They've, they've got some injuries. That's the thing going back to like oh. Tennessee. Tennessee's had two of their best players, their leading scorers and leaders, as veteran guys alternate who's played or not because of injury. 
with Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James each being out at different times. Chad, tonight. Tonight. Tune Tonight's in. the night? Tonight's the night. Western Kentucky 8-1 and one at 0-9 Louisville. Oh, this is it. This is their last chance for a while, right? No, no, they've got another one coming up. They Appalachian have, State. No, they have Florida A&M. That's, that's the one you, it. That's, that's the, the one, one you said. Uh, they have Florida A&M and then Lipscomb uh, coming up this week. But it is... Lipscomb's got a kid from my high school, Will Pruitt. That's one of their yeah, stars yeah. At, uh, at Lipscomb who uh, led, led Mount Juliet they, uh, to a state, a state tournament. I was with, uh, on Sunday at the, uh, in, the, in the press box, there's a Western Kentucky uh, guy there, massive Hilltoppers fan. And he was saying that this is going to be the game. This will be the game Louisville will win because Western, you know, they're in a conference. It's a one-bid league. And if they don't win the league, they're very good. If they don't win the league you're not going to get a boost because this will be the game you look back on where they lost to 0-9 Louisville back in December. Yeah, it's... Uh, at Louisville. I was, it's at I, Louisville. I was listening to, uh, watching Doug Gottlieb, who was on with Dan Dockich. Yes. Did you see his hit? His quote was, Louisville is the worst basketball team I've ever seen. <laughs> he said, I can't think of a worse basketball team. That's of every level. Uh, that's not just Power 5 team. That's the worst college basketball I team. Mean, I've ever seen. I've ever seen. And that, that's, that's, that's with talent on the roster. Hey, we talked yesterday about you know college basketball and why it may be a little bit disjointed early in the year. And some of that is the anyone, anywhere mantra. Yeah. Tom Izzo and Michigan State's always played that type of schedule. That's how Gonzaga got to be a national power, was going wherever, whenever, and playing anyone just to get on the national stage and play great competition. Gonzaga's schedule so far, Hutton. You ready for this? I was just looking at them. I'm like, where's Gonzaga in all this? They played Tennessee in an exhibition game yeah. in Frisco, Texas, and lost 99-80. to When their regular season started, they played Warner Pacific. That's an exhibition. North Florida was their first game, okay? That's a bunny. Then they played Michigan State on an aircraft carrier and I beat wa- them. I watched that game. They played at Texas, straight-up road game, lost by 19. They played Kentucky at home. They won by 16 over Kentucky, beat Portland State. Then they played Purdue in Portland, Oregon, lost by 18. They beat Xavier by four in Portland, Oregon. They played Baylor in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, (laughs) and lost by one. Kent State, Washington, Northern Illinois. Their next game is Alabama. That is a schedule. They beat Washington by 17 at home in Spokane. I mean, it is hard to find. They're, they're going to get, now, once they get in their regular their conference. What's the? But the only other game, they got Northern Illinois, they've got Montana, and Eastern Oregon, and then they start West Coast Conference play. Pepperdine, San Francisco, Santa Clara. Is this like harden them up for the tournament? What, what are, what's the motivation here? For motivation that? is to get the best net ranking they can, and but, they're not going to get it in their conference. So they got to get all their big games out of the way early okay. because their, that's going to strengthen them for the, when their conference What was their schedule. schedule like, though, last year? As the number one seed, oh, they played a lot of good teams, but not like this. Not to this level. Is this? Would you say this is double? I don't know, but I mean, it's it. I, this is just an example of a program that will go and play anyone I mean, I because love it. because Kentucky, I also, Texas, Michigan State's going to up your net ranking, Hutton. And then when you get the West Coast Conference, Pepperdine, Santa Clara, Portland, Loyola Marymount, Pacific, those games are going to lower it. 
So you know that going in. So you got to knock it out of the park with your non-conference schedule. I also like the fact that you didn't mention very many. There were a couple of tournaments, but not neutral floor games, one-offs. You know, you've got Kentucky going to Zaga. Yeah. You know, that's great. Oh, I like the uh, – yesterday, Illinois and Tennessee announced a home-and-home home starting next year. I like where they tra- – Tennessee, Arizona. Tennessee played Arizona in Knoxville last year. They're going to go to Tucson Saturday night. This is also a weird scheduling quirk. After Gonzaga goes through their entire West Coast Conference schedule, they finish their regular season on March 1st against Chicago State. <laughs> Just a, a tune-up? I guess. They needed Maybe one. that's after the conference tournament until like, I get them ready for the NCAA. To, who knows? Weird. Uh, fun show today. Just quick injury news. Kenneth Walker III is going to play for the Seahawks tomorrow night. Brock Purdy questionable with an oblique issue. We're back at it tomorrow for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. <laughs>